freeze. Do not move a muscle. Do not use your mouth to speak. Do not move your eyes to blink. That itch that you might have, don't scratch it. All you have is what is right in front of you right now. All you have is the sound of my voice. All you have in this very moment are your thoughts. Now imagine I ask you to stay in that state for a day. You can't acknowledge anyone that walks in the room because remember, you can't move your eyes or your mouth. You can't feed yourself when you're hungry. You can't even tell someone else that you're hungry because remember, all you have are your thoughts. Could you do it? Could you do it for a whole day? What about a week? Well, at the age of 11, today's woman of impact found herself in this very state after she suddenly contracted two rare diseases simultaneously. An incredibly rare condition, she rapidly lost the ability to speak, eat, walk, and move. But it wasn't for a day or a week, or even a month. No, it wasn't even for a year. For almost four years, she stayed in this vegetative state. For almost four years, doctors repeatedly told her parents that there was no saving her. But what they didn't realize was not only could she hear them, she could understand every single word they were saying. She just had no ability to tell them. And even worse, she couldn't cry out when she suffered abuse from her caretakers. She couldn't tell people she was enduring this kind of ill treatment. She couldn't tell people she was still there until one day she could blink. After almost four years of seizures, 20 hours a day, she woke up being able to move her eyes. And after a grueling climb back, she not only was able to move her limbs again, but she competed and won a gold medal and three silvers in swimming in the London 2012 Paralympic Games. And as if that wasn't enough, in 2016, she not only defied doctors' odds again and started walking, but she went on to compete in Dancing with the Stars, where she made it into the semi-finals. So please, help me in welcoming the author of the smash hit Locked In, The Will to Survive and the Resolve to Live. The woman who lived and coined the phrase, face it, embrace it, defy it, conquer it. The unbreakable Victoria Arlen. <laughs> that is an incredible intro. Wow. Girl. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to give a brief, brief description of the life that you've had because what you've had to endure and go through is so mind-blowing. Let's start from the moment you wake up and because it happened rapidly, correct? Your health. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, I developed pain on my right side the end of April. And by August, I was in a vegetative state. Wow. So you wake up mm. and you're in this vegetative state. Yeah. All you have are your thoughts. I'm guessing fear is one of them. Initially, I didn't realize I was locked in. Oh, So, because okay. you know when you talk in your head how you can hear your you can hear your thoughts and sometimes they sound like you're speaking. Yeah. And so I'm thinking I'm having this conversation and I remember trying to look around and try and I'm like, why can't I move? And why does my head hurt? And, and I'm saying these things in my head thinking I'm saying them out loud, but people, more people are walking in and no one's acknowledging me. And I'm like, huh, that's odd. Like I have a pretty loud voice and, and, uh, I'm asking questions and no one's responding. And so that's when I realized that I was locked in. 
the first day initially was really just trying to wake up from this nightmare. And then after that, fear had set in, but I also realized that you having fear isn't going to help you move forward. It's only going to kind of hinder my processing and hinder me figuring out how did I get here. And so because my only recollection I had from that moment was this excruciating headache and being rushed into an ambulance. And so after that, it all goes dark. And so I was like, okay, I can be afraid, which obviously I was, but I also realized that I need to figure out how I got here. And I also need to figure out how do I get out of here? And so you can't have, you know, faith and fear in the same sentence. And so Mm. I just decided to kind of lean more into this hope and gratitude that things could get better and that, hey, I have my brain. I haven't lost my mind literally. Um, And that was really the one muscle I could use and the one muscle I decided to use for good. That makes any sense. Okay, yes, it makes tremendous (laughs) sense. And actually, that brings me to a quote that you said, and this is what made me think, like, fear is the first thing. I fight the rise in anxiety of fear and confusion and try to make sense of my situation. I need to calm down. I need to gather gather my thoughts and relax. Just remember, I'm here. I am alive. I know who I am. Yeah. Oh, girl. How do you do that? So, uh, and that's probably what the one question I'm going to keep asking throughout this episode. Yeah, sure, yeah. Because... Most people listening or watching have, I'm sure, at some point dealt with sadness, depression, anxiety, some form of, um, you know, they feel like they've hit rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. But as a functioning human, you can do things. You can write post-it notes, put them on your mirror. You can, mm-hmm. right, you can have mantras. There's you mantras. Can that, yeah, there's. But when all you have is your mind, take me through how you actually coax yourself through that because I hear what you're saying that first day I just told myself I can't have fear and faith in the same sentence but then how do you actually do that I knew my story didn't end in defeat and I kept telling myself that and and I was very fortunate I'm very fortunate to be the recipient of two really incredible parents and really and have three incredible brothers and my whole family just refused to go down the path of negativity and and fear and so my room whether I was in the hospital or in our makeshift hospital room at home was just filled with positivity and and uh and they filled it with positivity and love and so I had so much of that around me that I couldn't help but think about think about the things I was grateful for Mm -hmm. and I knew that like you can be bitter or you can be you know full of full of gratitude but you can't be both and so being bitter and angry and and nervous and anxious and depressed would only make things worse. It's like it's like welcoming a rain cloud when I really just needed a little sunshine and so I decided to kind of just allow that because I had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't even given tomorrow guaranteed. So I'm like, well, whatever time I have left as much as I don't as much as I don't want to die, I also have to know that I have today. I have right now and I'm going I'd much rather spend the the time I have being happy or dreaming or or being optimistic that things could get better because mm-hmm. it can't get any worse. You really can't get any worse to where I was except die basically. And so um, and so I, I knew that it, it couldn't get much worse. And so when you're at rock bottom, what I think a lot of people forget, and I'm I feel like I've had a frequent flyer pass to rock bottom. <laughs> you know, I, I have I'm like the platinum in the hotel uh, in the hotel, like I'm platinum at, at rock bottom. But you really only have one view, one one thing to do, and that's look up. 
there's you can't look further than rock bottom. So when you switch, when you shift your perspective and you look up, that's mm-hmm. when you realize that there's a mountain to climb, and at the top of the mountain is a beautiful view. And you just have to take that step and climb. Yeah. But so many many of us get stuck <sighs> looking down. Yeah. Why yeah. do you think we do that? I don't know. I, I find myself too. Like there's there's moments where I still have them, and and where where I'll catch myself. And I think it's human nature. I think. We tend to get fearful, I think, just naturally. I think our fight or flight is a, is an innate thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that shutting that off. You know, we're not, all of us are not getting chased by a bear, which is basically what fight or flight is for, mm-hmm. is to fight for your life and get the adrenaline rush. And really until you have an anchor or something to believe in, whether that's faith or, 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 um, or anything, really. For me, it's faith. When you have that anchor, it really helps you. It allows you to realize that, like, okay, you, it's, you're not stuck here. You know, we, we all go through peaks and valleys, but I think a lot of us get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so I think it's realizing where are you, are you comfortable at rock bottom? Mm. And if you are, then you have to really look up and climbing a mountain isn't easy. And this whole journey has been basically like climbing a mountain. And so I think we all get caught up where we scratch our hands, if you will, or there's a mountain line or something. And, and it's, trusting that the view is going to be worth it. But so many of us forget that there's a view to be seen and we just get comfortable in that uncomfortable space. Yeah. Yeah. You said um, that we're not stuck there. And that actually really hit me when you said it, because most people, including Mm -hmm. myself, when you're in that moment of rock bottom or feeling down, you do feel like this is going to be your world forever. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now for somebody like me, who's not locked in, right? It's, there's so many things I can do to to try and get myself out of it. Yeah. But you're being told on a daily basis by yes. all the doctors, <laughs> you can't answer bad, you can't talk mm. bad, you can't say, hey guys, no, I'm still like... I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm still laughing in my head, I'm still telling myself stories, I'm still yeah. dreaming. You can't say any of that. No. So literally talk about getting stuck. You've got people every day saying you're stuck. Yeah. So Saying I'll never you- amount to anything, I'm not going to make it... Uh, they would make fun of my parents that my parents had hope. They're like, this kid's a goner. We both know that. But her, her parents think that this, there's going to be this miracle. And and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm right here. Like, I am literally here. And, and when you have enough people telling you you're never going to amount to anything after a while, you're like, well, are they right? Like, there's always that inch of that. And it took a while. It took, it took um, three and a half years for me to actually consider that for a brief moment. And I was, I was in, um, and this is actually, isn't even in the book. I was, I was laying in, I was laying in the hospital bed in our living room and we had a nurse, uh, with, uh, with me and she was doing something. And I remember I really needed to scratch my nose. Like I really, really needed to scratch my nose, like right, like right there. And you know, when you just need to scratch and you need to scrunch your face and whatnot. And, and I couldn't even scrunch my face. It, the more oh, it itches. Yeah. The more it itches. <laughs> and so I am, I am losing it because I need to scratch my nose so badly. And I'm like, if I'm like, God, if I have one word to say right now, it's somebody scratch my nose. <laughs> like it was so bad. And I had never been aware of that. And, uh, and in that moment, I remember just feeling this like soul crushing defeat. And I had, mm. I was like, these doctors are right. Like I won't amount to anything. I can't even scratch my nose. And it was like this brief moment, this brief lapse where I just, I just felt this, like this defeat because, and it's silly because it's nose scratching like, and, but it was that, it was that simple trigger. Mm. And, and I think 
the more I've learned, the more I've, I've spoken about it. I think we all have those moments where, where we can't scratch our nose, where we can't, mm. we, we haven't gotten there yet, or we, we feel like we're not ever going to get there. And, you know, six months later, I had that, that miracle, that blink moment, and I came back. But even now to this day, I sometimes forget that I can scratch my nose. And I think we all do. I think we all get so caught up with, with, uh, with, defeat that we don't realize that no victory is built in defeat. Mm. Victory's foundation is defeat, but so many of us stop building after defeat that we don't actually ever get to see the victory. And so it's like I I some I have a sticky note on my on my bathroom that says like scratch your nose. You know, like just yeah, because I have those because we all we're all human and 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 I think for me like I still forget that and I have moments of that and I think how many of us have forgotten that we can scratch our nose or how Mm. many of us have accepted defeat, whether it's in your career or your health or or in a relationship or anything, and you don't, you think that this is it. Mm. And that was that brief moment for me. And there's been moments, other moments in the book where I was like, is this it? Is this all? And it's in that moment where you have a decision that you can break down or break through. But during your breakdown, you can still break through, but we get stuck. And so that was kind of like mm. realizing that and saying, well, we, you get stuck or you settle or you, you sit back and think, well, this is it or I have to, this is good enough. Mm. And it's like, well, no, but it's, it's going to be a little more uncomfortable to go after something that's great, to go after that impossible dream. Or, you know, for me, making the decision to live was not an easy one. I had to prepare to die and I had, had plenty of close moments of that. And then, but every single day making the conscious decision to live. And I didn't, know if things were just going to stay like this forever, but I knew I had a purpose and I knew I had a family that loved me. And so making the decision, because we can all check out, that's the easy way, but the the greatest things that have ever been achieved and, and the most beautiful lives were when you decided not to check out, even when it got uncomfortable. And and it was very uncomfortable for me for a very long time. And my body was not my friend. It was working against me. And but I knew, I knew just deep down, I was like, well, my story's not going to end in defeat. But I also know that there's something more. And I, if I can just get through this pain, if I can just get through this moment, if I can just get through this this period, I, I know something amazing is going to come out on the other end. And, and really kind of threw my hands up to Jesus and was like, take the wheel because this car is, dry, is going out of control and, and just kind of surrendered to it and and continued to fight through it. And that was, those were the two things that really, really helped me kind of find that breakthrough. But it was a lot of breakdowns in the works that helped me with that. How do you surrender to something like that and not make it feel like you're giving up? So my quote, face it, embrace it, defy it and conquer it. I think when you face it, you can't like run away from it. So it's easy for us to look and be like, I'm not going to think about that. Or, or ouch, that hurts a little bit, but I'm not going to think about that. And I had to really face it head on and be like, all right, this is my life. This is what I can't do. This is what I can do. And then you have to like embrace it kind of like a friend. So for me, it was, it was taking the situation that I had and, and, and dealing with it head on and, and feeling it and, and understanding it. But then it was also being able to say like, okay, so I'm here, but I'm not dead yet. And I still have my brain. I can still have these thoughts. So I'm going to be super grateful for that. And then I'm going to be super grateful for my family. And I'm going to be super grateful about this is what I want to do when I get out. So I I shifted my mindset because your brain is a super powerful tool. And when you only have your brain, I was like, all right, brain, let's do this. Like, we're going to do this. So I shifted my mindset. 
I surrendered to it where I wasn't fighting against it, but I also wasn't giving into it. Mm. So you can surrender and not fight it, but you also don't have to give into it. And so that's really what I did. And then realized, and then I started dreaming and started thinking about, okay, when I get out of this and when I do this and, and thanked God in advance for the second chance I was going to give, I was going to be given and thanked my, my family and just was like, okay, Victoria, we got this. Let's, let's plan because you don't want to come out of this and have your brain mushy. And so I really oh, I just had this like, like childlike faith where I was, I just refused to think anything but that. And one day you're going to scratch your nose. <laughs> and so like, I just shifted that because it was way more fun to, to dream and believe in the, in the beauty of, of the things that life, life had ahead of me versus like the doom and gloom of today. Mm. I was actually going to ask you, how do you have that, like such clear thought out process when you're 11? But it's interesting, (laughs) but you just said it's like the childlike dream. Like, do you actually think you would handle the situation the same if you were an adult? I don't think so. I mean, I'd like to say I would, but I think I had such a curiosity for the world and even at a young age had all made all these plans of things I wanted to do. And so I think being so young and not really seeing the world, but also kind of by the grace of God, almost being in this little bubble, that really helped me and really just allowed me to dream these massive dreams and not have to worry about about the things that as you get older, you normally worry about. And I don't think I really realized the severity of my situation until later on. Interesting. So I had kind mm. of just like, well, yeah, tomorrow's mm. going to be better. And of course, I'm, I'm one step closer. Yeah. And so I, I really just had that, had this kind of, I was like a puppy dog, if you will. Like, you know, puppies are just like happy all the time. <laughs> yeah, bashing towards yeah, and like, so I happy. I feel like that was me in my head as I was just this little puppy dog about like super excited about the life I was going to be able to live. Yeah. Not not thinking like, oh, well, I'm going to die tomorrow and all this. And it's a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's moments where I was like, yeah, this is looking pretty sketchy. But I also was just like, well, you know what? I'm, I have right now and I'm going to use that. And also my family really helped that yeah. too. Yeah. But when your family weren't around and you yeah. had that negativity and they were calling you names, I believe the caretakers, yeah. um, mm-hmm. tell a bit about that story and then yeah. how you don't let that seep into your consciousness. Unfortunately, you know, I was I was a, a recipient of some not so kind human beings in the medical field, and and uh, they were very unkind. And I think, you know, I was a lost cause, so they really didn't have to be on their best behavior. They didn't have to take care of me, and I couldn't fight back. And um, yeah, it, it really blew my mind. I was I was just terribly treated by certain medical um, medical you know nurses and doctors and. And I think at first it it was obviously scary and I, I didn't understand it. But then I also realized, I was like, what has made you such an angry human? What has made you just like, mm-hmm. how do people abuse animals? Like what mm-hmm. what has made you so sad and, and so hurt to hurt someone who's completely helpless? And so I had to almost like look at it from that perspective. Because if I looked at it, like they're hurting me, they're causing me, like it's really upsetting and it was really traumatizing. And so... I really had to kind of shift once again my mindset and and um and that was really challenging because that took a really long time for me to understand that that was this relentless kind of fight of I could get angry back or I could say something back in my head or I could I could feel all this anger but that doesn't do me any good and so I really had to find obviously forgiveness 
And I think initially when I was saying that, my mom understood that, but my dad was like, what do you mean? Like they have to get in trouble. And Mm. I said, yes. I said, obviously I don't want this happen to anyone else. And part of the big reason of writing my book was to make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else. But I also realized that hurt people hurt others. And what hurt them so badly that made them be such, such cruel humans to someone who was completely helpless. And so it was finding that mindset. And I didn't forgive them for their sake. I forgave them for my own sake because me holding on to this anger and this bitterness is not going to help me. And and even in that state, I was already fighting for my life that, that I had moments where I was frustrated, but I never really felt that like super anger to want to like reciprocate. Wow. And for people at home that are listening or watching, like you're being so kind to these people that... Yeah. (laughs) It took me a long time to be able to get to that point. So if you don't mind, there's one story you telling it where literally a nurse like took your hand and was like hitting yourself in the face, hitting you in the face with your own hand. Yeah. Um, That's how bad this was. Oh, yeah. And I was choked and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, even the way you were saying it is like, I forgive. Like, just so sweet about it. But the one thing that I know you've also done is you've sometimes used people's negativity to fuel you. Oh, yes. So talk to me about that. How do you make sure that it is fueling and instead of like detrimental to your dreams or what you're trying to achieve? Well, I think it it was a process. Like I went through some severe post-traumatic stress like delayed so it almost it actually hit me last year when I was writing this book wow. so this is not, after you've recovered oh, you're working, I'm at like you're... I'm at like the top of my game yet feeling like completely at rock bottom and um and so that was what started that for me was processing it and okay. believing and, and forgiving and talking about it because I didn't really talk about it I went mm. I got better I was in catch-up mode recovery mode then swimming mode then I started working for ESPN and then I was learning to walk and so it was like bing bang boom and a lot of my success was driven out of out of um this almost this like catch up. I needed to catch up. I needed to prove these doctors mm-hmm. wrong. And so I never really took the time to process it or even talk about it. And, um, and with that forgiveness was huge for me. And it wasn't because I didn't go to them and say, I forgive you. I, if anything, um, success is the best revenge. And so my mom had told me that years ago and that really really hit me because I'm like, I guarantee you they flip on ESPN or any other project I'm on or dancing with the stars or, 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 uh, or just, or the, the Paralympics. So it's realizing that by me living my best life, spreading that message of hope and love, I'm almost indirectly canceling out the negative. Like when you hit the top of the mountain, it's your next step is to bring someone up with you Mm. is someone to join the view and then another person, another person. And so I think it it was a process for me, but it it definitely did take its toll. I mean, I was, um, I really struggled last year with, and I, but I had to put on a face, you know, I had to put on my superhero cape, if you will. And, and I remember one day in particular, I had this complete breakdown on New Year's Eve of Mm -hmm. last year. So going, ringing in 2018 Mm -hmm. and I was working at ESPN and we had a late night show and. I had this complete breakdown in the bathroom and I called my mom and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do any of this anymore. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't keep putting on this face. Like I'm really struggling. And, and I had been struggling for a while as I was writing this book, cause I was kind of living my best life while reliving my worst life yeah. all synonymously. And, you know, at 23 years old, that's a lot to take on. And I was kind of, it was, I was being, you know, brought into the public spotlight and all these, there was so much going on. And, um, 
that I, I really just kind of hit hit a hit a wall and, and had realized it had been building for a long time and and as soon as it got quiet ish was when it kind of it came to fruition and my mom drove down and, and she sat with me on the floor and, and she was like, it's okay to not be okay. No one had ever given me permission. I was this miracle and they don't give you a manual for being a miracle. So you're kind of expected to just be okay. And you're one of the lucky ones and people don't survive what you went through. People don't come out of the vegetative state, what you went through. So you have that replaying in your mind, but then you're also successful and you're doing all these things. So, oh, you're so lucky or you're so this and you're so, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, no, and and this has come at such a price. And, and so just processing that and realizing that, but then realizing like, it's okay to sometimes like take a day and check and go, you know, go fly back to New Hampshire, have a moment. And, and so that really resonated with me, but also allowed me to forgive. It also allowed me that when this, when I finished this book to kind of close that book and start a new one. And that's good. You know, I, I, and so I think we, we can get, you know, preoccupied with our past and we can get imprisoned by our past. And so it's realizing that the prison door is open. You just have to step through. And so I was in that prison reliving this. And, and then when I finished, I, I realized I'm like, no, I get to step through now. I get to step out into that, this next adventure that doesn't require all that this one required. I get to almost like you with, with the rock bottom now, enjoy the top of the mountain. Yeah. Enjoy the view. Yeah, because yeah. that's so true. Um, I mean, even when I first met you, I was like, oh, my God, you're amazing. You're <laughs> you know, and you're very kind. You, but like yeah. thinking of you as a superhero. Yeah. And so if you had, let's say, for instance, you come in and you're like, God, I'm just so tired. Could you, Lisa, do you mind if I just sit down? I, yeah. Like, I think because I think of you as this superhero, it's like, oh, yeah, you are normal. You are human, of course. I tend to be a bit of an overachiever in the in this whole shindig with what I've gone through but we all have a story and we all have struggles and and we shouldn't be ashamed of them or thinking like comparing ourselves I think we all get stuck in the comparison game but we all have we all have our our moments we're all human and I think and I and I my mom laughs because she'll call me a little shit show all the time like she's like all right I love you my little shit show (laughs) so it's like it's we all have our moments, but I think we all tend to want to cocoon and, and mm. not talk about them. But there's a power in sharing your story and your struggles, whether they're big, small. I feel like there's no level to them. We all have a thing that trips us up or we have a thing that will get in the way. And you have to be first willing and able to talk about it and then and then have, you know, your team to help you conquer it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you said you're a high achiever. But how do you then do that balance? Because like you said, I mean, I'm projecting. I'm sure most people, when they meet you, they project, right? Like, oh, my gosh, she's so strong, so I have to stay strong. But when it's yourself and you're doing things um, in your career, let's say that you can't. In fact, when you went for the Olympics, you were told again, like, you're never going to do it. And here you are. hanging on. Like I was told I'd never be able to move again. Not only can I move, I can swim. Now people are telling me I shouldn't swim because I'm never going to be able to make it. And I want to go for gold. Um, How do you have big dreams, achieve big, like push hard, but make sure that it's not in detriment to your own health and your own psyche? It was funny because I, I realized that a lot of my success was driven out of fear of going backwards okay. and fear of – because no one really gave me the clear that I was good. They're like, well, we don't know. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. So it's finding that balance because, you know, it, being in the different – 
fields and doing all the different things that I'm doing, I tend to, I'll just go a million miles an hour and my body will be like, okay, Victoria, like hang, hang tight. And so it's, I think for me, I've been learning to listen to my body too Mm. and be kinder and, and, um, you know, fitness and nutrition are huge parts of me allowing to do that, but also taking time to shut off, taking time to shut my phone off, taking time to, you know, go back and go to the lake and go to places where I can just be present and, then I think it also goes to who's in your corner. You know, we all have our mm-hmm. tribes that support us. And, and so I'm very fortunate that the people in my corner will also be aware of that. Like I, I always tell this story. Um, last summer, my my schedule was just really starting to get crazy. And and, and uh, my dad had connived with my assistant and basically cleared a whole week off mm-hmm. and basically kidnapped me. So I'm flying into Boston thinking like, you know, I'm going to have like a day with my family. And he's like, no, we're going to have like almost a whole week. And he drove me up to the lake. We have this, we have this house, my favorite place in the world. And he drove me up to the lake and just literally drove me out on the water on the boat and pumped up my, my donut floaty and just said, this is your week to just chill. He's like, mommy and daddy, we want you to still, you know, have your time and be able to breathe. And we know things are getting only going to get crazier, Mm -hmm. but we want, this is your moment to just be. And so I think it's it's embracing those moments too, but also having people that will look out for me and be like, okay, she has been mm-hmm. she has not been home in three weeks, and she is not you know she's not had a moment to breathe, and so it's finding that balancing. And do you feel like it was because your father pretty much kidnapped you that you were allowed to have that? Oh, kind absolutely! Of- like gave me permission. Right. Yeah, because I think we, you and I both know that that success doesn't just come from sitting. You mm-hmm. have to get up and go and move. And but there's a balancing because if you're tired or if your health starts to act up, you're not going to be any good to anyone. Right. And so it's finding that balancing. And it took my dad literally kidnapping me right, to, to, do to do that. And for me to realize, like, I need to take more time to yeah. just, like, breathe and be. And mm. so I have to, like, find that balance. Yeah, act. because you took the, those four years. You, you, I believe you told yourself, when I get out of it, I'm oh, not yeah, going to waste another yeah. day. Mm-hmm. So, like, how much? Because in that moment, I'm sure, right, you're using that to motivate yourself. Like, yeah. when I get out. God, yes. Yeah, and then you're out. And then you go a million miles an hour, which doesn't serve you. Um, How, like, if you don't have a family to just, like, you know, what is it? Like, pull the rug out. Pull the rug, yeah, yeah. literally. Or be like, sit down. I was like, I sat down for 10 years. Right. Like, how do you make sure that you actually don't swing too far in the other direction? Like, if somebody's at home right now, maybe they don't have somebody to do that. They've got that thought, like, I promised myself one day I would do it. Yeah. But everything's telling them to slow down. Yeah. I think listen. To your to yourself. To your body. To your body. Mm-hmm. Listen to yourself. Listen to your body. For me, I didn't have time guaranteed, but none of us really have time guaranteed. And so you taking a breath is not going to get in the way. If anything, it's going to rejuvenate you. It's kind of like when your car runs out of gas and you have to stop at the gas station and fill it up. You're standing there for five, ten minutes, not thinking twice about it because, well, you need gas in your car to go. And so I always think of that with, with kind of your, 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 we think about, you know, our bodies and we think about our careers and stuff, but we don't always think about like our souls and our minds where we have to really like, what, what's your gasoline and, and when, and recognize when you're on empty. And I think I've learned that at times where I've literally just like stalled out and I'm like, okay, yep, I need some, Mm -hmm. I need to take a moment. And so I think, even if you don't have those people to recognize it yourself and also be kind to yourself and realize that 
what's meant for you in life will not go past you. Like my mom has told me that over and over and over again. And it reigns so true that literally will not go past you. And if you taking a break or you taking time to fill you, fill up yourself, it's, it's okay. It's good for you. It's, it's, we want to, we, we tend to all be running this race where something's chasing us. We think that something's chasing us. Nothing's chasing you. You have to just take a breath and realize that you are where you're supposed to be at this exact moment with the exact people you're with. And, and, you don't have, you know, you don't have yesterday back. You don't have tomorrow guaranteed. You have just right now. And as someone who for four years lived in the, in just this now where I didn't have an hour from now, I didn't even have 10 minutes from now. You really have to just take some times to realize that. And sometimes like I'll go to just like a quiet place and realize and just like, okay, thank you. Like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And we only have today. We only have the gasoline for our car to move today. And so it's, it's, it's honoring that, yeah. Which I I always have to keep telling myself <laughs> to honor. But that's what I'm sure. Yeah. Like it must be so difficult because you went. And I don't know if this is still the case now, but mm. I know at one point the doctors were like, "I don't know if your paralysis is going to come back or not." They've yet to. No one's ever told me that I'm in the clear, in the clear. for anything. Right. Yeah, and so there's like there's always there was that for a very long time. This like unknown. Right, and I fear. think that like. You're so specifically like, is there a ticking clock? But I yeah. feel like a, there's a ticking clock as well, right? In the sense of like, I, I want to achieve this now. And yep. so I've got to go before anyone gets to it first. Yeah. Like, go, go, go. And I love doing it. But at the same time, it does it does become detrimental to my health. So yes. that like, but you, again, you're like on a whole different level of like, mm. I don't know if this is going to happen again. Mm. So I want to swim. I want to run. I want to do all this now just in case. But yeah, in those moments where your body's telling you no, slow down. Yeah, you really do just have to, I assume, listen to that mind. You do, and and I and I totally relate with um, with what you're saying too. It's 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 there's we all are ticking time bombs if you really look at it. But at the same time, like ticking time bombs can go off years and years, decades and decades and decades from now. And so, faith and fear. You can't mm. have faith to do something great while you're having fear of, of becoming something bad, you have to find that you have to make that decision. And so early on, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be afraid. Like, I know I'm here for today. I know I've come back for a reason. So I'm not going to be afraid of going backwards. I think if anything, I, I realize just faith is what's going to be my saving grace. And so, um, I think for all of us, we have to take into that consideration. Like we have today, and today is beautiful. Like we saw, I saw butterflies today. Like it's, it's, you have to almost turn to that childlike faith and that childlike gratitude where, where you take those things. And, you know, my friends, my friends really, really make fun of me sometimes because I will get super amped up over the smallest things, like literally just so excited. And, and I have to hold on to that because that's, we all need that. We all need to like go frolic on a beach somewhere, or we need to look at a butterfly and be really excited about them. And so it's, it's finding that balance and, um, but realizing that, look, we, we have to forget that there's a clock. Mm. The clock is irrelevant. Whether you feel like you need to do something now, you'll do something when the time comes, when the universe and God brings it to you, but it's like, you have to let it go first. You have to let it you have to kind of set your intention or set what you want to do, but also know that in timing it will come to pass and not hold on to it. Because like for those four years, if I had held on and said, when I get out, when I get out, when I get out, 
and put a timeline on it, I would have gone crazy. You oh, know, so you I didn't put any timeline? No on timeline. It. Oh. I mean, I wanted to be out of, of it, but yeah. I, like, but uh, there was no timeline because I couldn't. I couldn't afford to have a timeline because. I just had today. So I was like, okay, well, I've got today. And so hopefully I get tomorrow and then the next day and the next day. But I think when you put a timeline, that's when you get stuck in like inertia. You get stuck completely. Because if it's not happening on your timeline, it's, it's, you're failing. Failing, you're right. You're failing. Exactly. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I, and I get caught up in that too. And so I think when you put a timeline on it, you get stuck. Mm. And because half the time, and the few times I've made timelines, they've either, they, it's been completely irrelevant, you know, because time, it can happen at any moment. What you're destined for, the good things that are coming your way can happen at any moment. But if you're putting on a timeline, you're almost getting in the way of, of God and the universe to to allow it to come to pass. I had to surrender. When I was trying to control when I get out and when I do this and when I do that, it just was getting me so frustrated and I was getting stuck. And so I just said, you know what, I surrender. And that's what I have to find myself doing more and more is like we all just have to surrender and trust that really what's for you will not go past you. Mm-hmm. And so is that next step, so surrender, then do you then practice gratitude immediately after? It feels like yeah. that would be a... I always kind of like to thank God in advance where I'm just like, all right, thank you. You're taking care of that. And thank you is almost like reminding you to like, stop trying to control it. Like Mm. it's, it's already coming your way. And so, uh, and so I just kind of say like, thank you. And just, and then also remember the beauty of today. Remember where I'm at, remember what I am doing and the people in my life. And so it's like finding that balance of that. Cause if you get stuck, you're not going to, you're going to miss out on the beauty of today. Yeah, You're going to miss out on the birds chirping and the sun shining and the butterflies. You're going to miss out on that when we're meant to live today, not tomorrow, not yesterday. Like today is right now. And that's where you need to live and embrace and be joyful for. I love that. Yeah. Um, talk to me about dreams. So yes. <laughs> before this whole thing happened, I believe you actually told your mom you were going to win a gold medal and go on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> like when I read that, I was like, what? That's so specific. I know. I was a very specific child. Then I was a bit of an odd one. a lock, lock-in and yeah. then you go on to do it. I do. So... Talk to me about dreams because I think that it's not unique, right? Many people have dreams when they're younger mm-hmm. and they really believe it's going to happen and something in life, right? Not necessarily looking, but something in life happens yeah. that changes that path. And then as we slowly become adults and slip into adulthood, we forget those dreams and yeah. we kind of dismiss them as they were just a dream. So, yeah. but you didn't. So you had a path, obviously it was very severe, but you didn't let go of that dream. No. No, I think I dreamed more yeah, so when I got locked in. I, I've always been a dreamer, but I think I dreamed more and, and understood the power of my dreams and just said, you know what, I've got all this time on my hands, so this is a part of my day that I'm going to set an intention to dream. and Because when you're dreaming, you're manifesting. But so many of us get lost in the dream that we we talk ourselves out of it when it doesn't happen on our timeline. Right. And it's it's not meant to happen on your timeline because if it was, then you'd be in complete control and you wouldn't look up and be like, wow, thank you. Like, thank you. And you wouldn't have the gratitude for it. You would have this this almost arrogant expectancy. Mm. But when you really you dream it and you understand it and you kind of set it out and surrender to it, you almost are allowing when it does come, that gratitude and that pure joy versus that when you just expect things to happen in your timeline and in your control, you don't really appreciate it. After a while, it becomes like, well, yes, of course this is happening. And, and you don't have that like 
happy moment, happy dance where you're jumping up and down. Right. And so I think for me, I had always just set these these bizarre goals. Like I told my mom I wanted to help people and, and change the world when I was five. And, and I would get really upset at night because I'm like, we didn't do anything to help people today. And my mom's like, well, we'll do it tomorrow. Like you need to go to bed. And then um, and then I wanted to win a gold medal. And and then I just nonchalantly said to her, oh, when Dance with the Stars had premiered, I'm going to be on that show one day. And she's like, after the gold medal? And I was like, yeah, probably. And I would just say these things and didn't think anything of it. But when I was kind of almost forced with time to think, I also realized that this is a perfect time to dream and to to kind of almost manifest what this this extraordinary circumstance can only lead me to an extraordinary life and extraordinary circumstances in a good way happening. Mm. You know, we we think in our circumstances, well, only woe is me, bad things. But I'm like, no, these 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 are going to lead you to an extraordinary life. But you have to get through the extraordinary challenges in order to have the extraordinary victories. And mm. so I kind of. I, I kind of went into Yoda mode and just was like, yes, like that is what I'm, I'm owning into that. Right. And, and I just dreamed about it. I really, it also was an escape for me. It mm. allowed me to kind of forget that I'm laying in this hospital bed and I can't scratch my nose. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think it allowed me to have a little bit of an escapism too. Okay. So then you do escape. I do. Yep. And then you go for the gold medal Yes. and you get it, <laughs> which, which is Great. And you broke the world record. I, mean, I did, yes. So you've had this dream since a little kid. People are telling you no, it's not possible, especially when you become a, a lock-in. You then escape, in essence. You get it. How did that feel? Was it like, oh, and yeah. now I can dream more and bigger? Or was there any part of you that was actually like, okay, now what? I think it was now what? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Because so many yeah. people, I think, they think um, once I have the family that I want, right? Once I find the partner that is the ideal, once I have the amount of money that I desire, once then I'll I be have happy. The house, then I'll be happy. Yeah. So whatever that dream is, and I thought the same. I absolutely thought money. Oh my god! Once I get money, life's going to be amazing. But of course, as I got more and more successful, my health completely went out. Mm-hmm. So it made me reassess of like, okay, it isn't money. It isn't. It's about health, happiness. Yeah. Yeah. So take. Take me through, you get the gold, you feel like your dream, and then the now. How did you push past that? I think uh, it's challenging because we we tend to um, we tend to think that when this happens, I'll be happy when that. And yeah. you can't, if I've learned nothing else, it's you can't base your happiness off of materialistic things or off of other people. Your happiness comes from within. And I didn't really know that at the time. You know, I was still recovering. I had only been two years post-vegetative state that I when I won. So I was still in this kind of, what am I doing? Where Where's my place in this world? Mm-hmm. Because four years had gone by, which is a really, really long time. And I didn't really know where I fit in. I didn't know where, um, where Victoria fit. And so here I won this medal. And it's great. It's exciting. It, it brings me into the spotlight, but it also brings me this like indirect, um, like doorway into my journey that I hadn't really shared yet. Mm. And so I was kind of thrust into that world, but also becoming this beacon of hope worldwide and this inspiration worldwide and all these things that I hadn't prepared for. And and I was 17. So that's, that's as it is. I'm still trying to make up the four years. So it um, it was a great blessing, but it also brought a burden of what am I doing? Like, where am I going? And I still had more 
that I needed to do. And, and, um, I was still trying to get my health back on track. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a mixture. And I think I still deal with that with anything that when I achieve something, I have to catch myself being like, well, what now? And be like, no, embrace right now. Like mm-hmm. be excited for right now. Like the what now is completely irrelevant because your journey is going to keep evolving. As long as you're living and breathing and, and being a good human, your journey is going to keep evolving. You just have to like stop those that the, you know, the, I think Joyce Meyer says it's stinking thinking where it's like, <laughs> where it's like, just get out of your head and just into your heart and into that joy and into that moment. And, um, and I think I did have that moment when I saw my family, when I like finally got to go see them and they're crying and I'm crying. And, and so it's, it's finding the, that balance because it was a lot for a 17 year old. I had never shared my story to any really capacity and then all of a sudden that's, it's everywhere. And so it was like finding that balance, but also realizing that like you, there's still more work to be done. Oh man, um, I, I literally have like a million questions to ask you, but yeah. I know we're out of time. <laughs> um, where can these guys find you online? Where can the, mm-hmm. this, they find the incredible book and all of the good stuff that you're doing? So my, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at ArlenV1. And then um, my book is kind of everywhere. I think you can get it on my website um, and then also on on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I think wherever books are sold. All right. Yeah. Um, and for my final question, what would you consider your superpower to be? Yeah, I think my superpower is always putting one foot in front of the other, mm. even if I couldn't physically do it. Just kind of the, the finding those blinks of hope and just like pushing forward for it and holding on to it, like fanning the flame, if you will. Yeah. All right. Love it. (laughs) Guys, guys, guys. So I bought this book, went to read it, heard that she had an audible audible book available. So I quickly hit that up as well. She reads it herself. So I literally put the book down immediately. I started to listen and I went into a deep, deep hole of just listening to her voice and her story. It is so crazy impactful. And the way she talks about it, it is not as the victim. It is absolutely as the person that's taking control of her own life. So guys, go get this book, check it out, check out everything she's doing. She's absolutely amazing. And if you're not already subscribed, click that subscribe button. If you're not already following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And until next time, guys, go be the superhero of your own life.